RJ, as we all gather here again, ECH post game live presented by Queen Anne Beer Hall. Uh, we just got to deal with another one of these games. Like, I, I, there was some positives to tonight that I feel like we haven't seen from the team the, the previous two games. Uh, in that the team, you know, this is the Kraken team we remember from the beginning of the season, where they they are in it till the very end. They are trying. They they believe that they can win, and they're giving us that max effort, and that is fantastic to see that they still have that, especially after the rough go of things that they've had here since coming back from the All Star break. On the other side of things, they just put themselves in a hole that was no team was ever going to get out of, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when you put yourself in that kind of hole, it doesn't matter what what effort you give at the end there. It's it's more often than not going to be too little too late. And that was the case again uh, with the Kraken tonight. Yeah, I you know, play that it was, you know, more sloppy than we're used to seeing just odd man rushes, Dylan. I, I want to get into this late, you know, at some point, like why were yeah. there so many odd man rushes? Maybe you can break it down, help us all understand, but it just felt like the Rangers had numbers whenever they were entering the Kraken zone. Mm -hmm. And that's going to add up with a team like New York that can score and that, that can put you away that way. Yeah. And it, we'll definitely talk about that in a little bit, but the other thing is also like they just had luck on their side too. Like, not only were they in some ways outplaying or, in my opinion, the Kraken were, you know, letting them outplay them, uh, yeah. but they also just were, like, super lucky. Like, that was it? The Truba goal, that second that second uh, power play goal for them or whatever, that where he just throws it from the corner and it's just off Borgen and Jones had no idea where the puck was. And it was just like, what is that? Like, that's not a... It's not a goal you're expecting. It's not a goal that you're anticipating giving up uh, every game. And it's certainly not one that, you know, or even the the Kako goal, uh, the second goal for the Rangers, like that one's a weird freaky play where all the bounces just line up perfectly for them. So it's, it's one of those where I feel like the Rangers also got lucky for some of this, but a lot of it was kind of the crack in zone doing as well. Yeah definitely can't can't be given a team like the rangers that kind of like prolong either the odd man rushes or the prolonged zone time that they gave them uh just all of that is is rough uh start things off here in the comment section with emmy Payne. what's happening with this team i'm worried hunter i'm getting worried boss like is, is it is it time to panic rj are we are or at least are we like thinking about you know maybe removing the glass shield over the panic button I'd say remove the glass shield, but don't press the panic button yet. Okay. I like the distinction there. And the reason is we've seen this team uh, go on three game losing streaks before this season. Yep. And every single time without fail, they've turned it around right afterward. Um, the most recent three game losing streak. If we can all transport ourselves back to how we felt at the end of 2022, December 30th, losing seven to two to the Edmonton Oilers. And, and how it felt like things were going to go after that game. And with a long road trip coming up and some difficult games, I wasn't feeling too optimistic. I don't, I don't think any of us really were. And, you know, the Kraken took the message. They turned things around and you know, they had the great month of January that they had. So if they don't play well, if I really, if, if at all, you lose to Philadelphia because the Rangers are a tough opponent. Like they, they are a yeah. tough opponent. They're a playoff team. The Devils are a tough opponent. They're a playoff team. Yep. Um, you know, if you lose to Philadelphia, then I think you can put your finger right over the panic button. And if you lose badly to Philadelphia, then I think you can press it. Um, but I'm not there quite yet. Okay. I, I, I like that. I, I, I agree with you. I think this team is 
they've earned our trust they've earned our you know lack of panic so to speak they've they've earned the right for us to kind of let them figure this out before we all start freaking out on their behalf but um i do think that this is you know watching the islanders game was bad it was bad bad uh the yeah. devil's game it was just like well you know we, we lost but you know we need offense and special teams wasn't great but you know they played hard and all that kind of stuff this game was like i said you can you could kind of hang some of this game on just like well the rangers got some weird bounces and that you know without those and then without the empty net maybe we're talking about a 3-3 game and you know what i mean like you could try to you could try yeah. to work around this a little bit so I, i'm there with you if 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 things continue to struggle along this path against the flyers that's certainly more panic time uh i will say you know let, let's just get into it power play just because this was such a big part of last game special teams let's go ahead and talk about it i talked about you know at least with the truba goal that was pretty lucky for the rangers power play but i want to talk about the kraken power play because we're seeing the same issue come back to get them which is if you can clear the zone on the PK against the Kraken, they will never be able to enter the zone and create dangerous chances again. That's just it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Zone entries are, are something we've seen them have a problem with all season. And another reason that, you know, maybe it might be good to bring in someone who can at least just take a face off on a power play. And I mean, you don't want to have to like head off the ice right away, but winning those first face offs and establishing possession in the zone and making it so the other team can't clear it right away. And even if you do get a good entry, you've already burned 20 seconds of the power play. Um, right. You know, it's just a weakness that the Kraken power play has. It's It's got to be the thing that they focus on. And I get that it's hard on the road to try to fix those things. Like you can't, you, you just can't do that. You don't have time. You don't have your facilities. You don't have all your video coach stuff. You don't have any of that. So it's it's a hard thing to kind of suss out while you're on the on a road trip. Um, I just think that's part of what's making this all a little bit confusing for everybody, including me, RJ, is the fact that this is happening on the road. Like this is where we're supposed to be good. Like that's what that's what we're all about. Yeah, the road record is is starting to even itself out, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, I mean, you'd hope, especially with three games in four days, that they'd kind of settle into that rhythm. It's the kind of thing that yeah. benefited them so much in January. Mm -hmm. And we're just not seeing the benefits of that uh, this month. Definitely, definitely. Absurdly saying, I'm not worried. Boys are going to be okay. Uh, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. This team, like we said earlier, they've kind of earned the right to, to just give them a few. Um, Let's see. Hockey Fork, we just saw what happens when the Grubauer team plays in front of Jones. I do like if 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 Grubauer had not played yesterday, RJ, are you pulling Jones if you're Dave Paxall? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. A after probably that third, the excuse Trocheck me, after goal, that third yeah. goal. Yeah, the Trocheck goal. I'm I'm pulling Jones. But on a back to back, you know, it's it's tough You have a goalie have to play both, you know, both nights of that, and especially like two thirds of a game or so if you're looking at that. So I, I understand his decision to stick with Jones, but yep. it just felt like in a lot of ways he just didn't quite have it tonight. No, it was kind of the the two times and Edzo was really on this on the broadcast on the root broadcast was, you know, when he lost the puck right after making saves yeah. and it happened twice and that's kind of like a no-no so i i am really now wondering i know i've been kind of pushing for it leading into the all-star break and now coming out of the break i am really wondering if we're going to see philip grubauer against the flyers on sunday just because i, I feel like that would you know make the sense unless you're going to tell me that like philip grubauer is like never beaten the flyers in like 27 chances <laughs> 
I don't I, I don't know for sure. I could look that up, but I don't think that's the case. But yes, I, I will go ahead and just say it flat out right now. Philip Grubauer should be starting for the Kraken on Super Bowl Sunday against the Flyers. I think he's earned it with his recent play. You've gotten mm-hmm. the better results recently with him. Um, and, you know, at, at a certain point, if, if Jones starts that game, I don't know what more you have to see from Grubauer or Jones you know, to right. make that switch. Again, it's when you're going to be playing the hot hand, you have to be willing to to play the hot hand. You got to you got to be on it. Like that's something that requires kind of day-to-day managing and it feels like at this point that's what that's what uh all the information given uh is pointing towards Tom Tank card for Bedard. Well, uh it would have to be a heck of a tank job at this point to try to make something like that happen. Uh I still don't think the Kraken are anywhere close to being in a position to do that. Coop, 1 for 5 on our power play versus 2 the to- Two out of three on theirs. Come on. It's literally the difference in these games. I agree with you, Coop. Uh, the power play has to be changed. We need high percentage chances, not just a million block shots from the outside. That's the thing that that gets me to, RJ, uh, what Coop's bringing mm-hmm. up there. Just that kind of propensity for the Kraken to move the puck around with just whichever three players are up high. And then we're just going to kind of take shots from there. And maybe if you get on the stick of, of well, at you know, Burakovsky, if he was playing now, it's just kind of Bjorkstrand. Uh, maybe that player will hold onto the puck, take a step forward and, and try to let go of a wrist shot. Otherwise, you're just you're just passing for half half a minute. Yeah, or hoping that like tonight, Jared McCann takes a shot that finds its way in. But that's not a high percentage shot. No, like a nice screen by Wenberg there. But like, again, even with Jared McCann, that's not a high percentage shot. Mm-hmm. You don't want to run a power play around that. Um, no. So, yeah, I just it, it feels uninspired. It feels like there aren't really looks that they're going for really high danger looks that they're trying to set up. Um, and, and I know that's the kind of thing that requires practice and reps and being at home and having those video coach meetings, you know, that it's really hard to do on the road, but I, the Kraken just, they need that in, in the worst way. Um, just, just have some set looks that you're trying to create. I mean, they've, I, we talked about how they were over-reliant on like the Tolvin and the Sprong one-timer. Yeah. But it feels like those have just basically completely gone away. Yes. Like it, you, uh, you, it's all or nothing. You, you want it to be just part of the of the package that you're going for. You don't want to either just be fully reliant or not have it as part as a threat at all. You need you need right. more than one thing there. Right. You want you want it to be a healthy mix of options. And the one timers look, those are fantastic options. Obviously, having Tolvanen, who can just pick a corner with a 95 mile an hour slap shot is a heck of a weapon. You want teams to fear that you want them to sell out to try to stop it. It's just that if they're going to sell out to stop it, then you need to have plan B. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like this is this is basic, like coding algorithm stuff. Like if then this, you know what I mean? Like that's what the power play (laughs) needs right now now and and it's just not there um so I, I would like to see them focus on that it's it's just i'm having flashbacks to the penguins rj where it was just a power play was a minute and four minute 45 of passing the puck just to have one failed shot and then a clear and everybody leaves the ice power play over right like you know what i'm talking about like the end of the bilesma era that's what the penguins power play was and since we've seen the end to the kind of one timers that's what this is starting to remind me of where it's just it is just passing back and forth and nobody's really trying to create a chance. The other thing that upset me about it was late in the game when they have the goaltender pulled and you're seeing shots go and you've got guys net front, but then they weren't 
they weren't really doing a good job of positioning themselves so that once that shot is released, you've got to be turning your body around so that when the rebound's there, you're the player in position to capitalize off the rebound. The Rangers were having, they were having such an easy time getting to the rebounds after those shots actually finally made it through to Shesterkin. The Rangers were just able to grab the puck and clear it before the Kraken player could get turned around. It is an art to being a net front player, right? Like you, obviously we have the Avery rule. Like you can't just be turned around staring at the goalie trying to mess with him. You have to be screening him. You got to have your, your, your kind of your face out towards the play. But when you see the shot go and you're going to maybe do your jump, your, you know, your jumping screen, you, you jump and you twist so that when you land, you are 180 degrees from the direction you were facing when you started that jump. And I felt like, I, I think it was Wenberg at the end there with the net empty. He just wasn't really doing that. And there was, a, there was one for sure time where the rebound was there and he wasn't in a position for it. And then another that I would consider kind of that same situation. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to pivot to kind of face that next shot, that rebound that comes out. And unfortunately, this is an issue we've seen with the Kraken, you know, really since the start of last season where they only have a couple guys at most in the lineup who are, you know, naturals at that sort of thing that just kind of have that instinct because it is an instinct you have to have. Yeah. And I think it's Jaden Schwartz and it's Ryan Donato. And, you know, you can't be having necessarily Donato out there for all the super high stakes minutes and everything, even though he does that job well, uh, you know, and, and Jaden Schwartz is good. But generally, most teams have more than two guys who really know how to do that. Um, and so, yeah, it was an issue that kind of reared its head tonight. Yeah, I was going to say Yanni Gord can be that guy. Like, I, I think he's got that in his in his tool chest. It's just he's not mm. seeing any power play time. Like at this right. point, the power play, why not try Yanni Gord out there? He might be able to win the face off. He might be, you know what I mean? Like there's there's options to having him. But um, when on a night where you had five power plays, you only convert on one of them. And I'm looking at who soaked up all your power play minutes. I'm surprised Yanni Gord didn't at least have 10 seconds out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a big fat zero. Um Austin, is it time to panic? Has it all been a dream and now we've woken up? Uh, time to be buyers at the deadline. I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm going to contrast that with uh, DJ and Tay. I dream of the pre-All-Star game days when we had an offense and defense. Those were good, less stressful days. Can we go back, please? I mean, it, it, <laughs> is, is that what it is, RJ? I mean, we just said earlier that we're not going to panic. So I, I, I'm not thinking we're going to say like, oh, you know, our, our big 50 games of good stuff reality you know has bursted that bubble and now it's just going to be like this the rest of the way um but it is one of those things where it's like yeah you know what this is this is something we haven't necessarily had to face yet this season and i i guess the best the best answer is just pull on the strength that we all learned from last year and know that heck you know <laughs> we're still in a playoff spot like this is still okay like it's it's okay yeah, I, I agreed. I'm not ready to panic yet. And and you look at it's it's a three game losing streak. It's something we've seen this season. Um, you know, this is not unheard of even for them this season as well as they've played in general. And one of those games, you know, the Devils game, I thought there were a, a lot of of really good positive signs. It was a good effort. Hey, they they out they won the five on five battle one to nothing. They didn't give up a five on five goal. Yep. Tonight's game was very different. But generally, if you don't give up a five on five goal, you're you're probably going to win most of those games. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I've seen enough good in this three game losing streak. I mean, throw the Islanders game out, but I've seen enough good in these last two games to definitely still believe that that they can turn things around. Uh, I I agree, and you know we talked a lot about it on the last one about getting guys really yeah last night uh, about getting guys going, getting streaks going. Are they all regressing on their shooting percentage? 
Get a goal from Tanev. It's been a while since we've seen one of those. Get a goal from McCann. Get a goal from Bjorkstrand, right? Like this, this might be the game where those guys start waking up. And again, I want to mention it one more time. It is the effort of the Seattle Kraken to want to hang in these games and believe that they can come back from the deficits that they were finding themselves in it. Um, that, you know, yes, it might not have been enough to dig yourself out of the hole tonight but it might have been enough to set yourself on a positive trajectory come Sunday so that you can approach that next game with at least a couple guys feeling a little good, having a little bit of swagger going into Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think it could be a, a good game for a lot of those guys, man, Tanev, to, to score in on a breakaway too, where he's had so many of those that he hasn't been able to put home. Like that's going to be huge for those guys. And again, you, you've got two out of your next three against Philadelphia. If that doesn't help spark you to better things, uh, you know, I don't know what will. Exactly. Aether break. I wish I didn't have to breathe into a brown paper bag every time the Kraken went on the PK. It's, yeah, we're back there, basically. I know. I, I, I know. They were just on this long streak, but we but we are back here. And it, yeah, very it's, much so. It stinks. It stinks. Uh, let's see. Coop still talking about the power play. We never get the puck into the slot, barely pass to the bumper, never have any backdoor look, looks, and us missing the net completely on wide open shots has to change. I am with you on the wide open shots. That's been a problem all year, five on five included. Um, yep. But it's, you know, we, we talked about it. this team last year. We complained about them not using the bumper this year. We've complained about them not using the bumper. Like at some point you're, you're wasting the man advantage. If you're going to have somebody out there that you're just never going to use or act like exists, then you're just playing four on four at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And it kind of looked like that at times with working the puck <laughs> around the perimeter. That's how four on four hockey looks. You just have that one guy who's up there, you know, kind of taking space in the bumper spot. Yeah, uh, got some contrasting opinions here. Got Michael with this team is in serious trouble. And then Tammy, not time to worry. We're better than last year by a lot. We're showing where we need to improve. Our prospects are looking good. We have lots of draft picks. I'm not worried. So certainly, yeah, long-term approach. Still definitely not worried. Just a yeah, little bit of a worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right now, the worry would just be like, oh, well, maybe if we're going to drop these games here, maybe we don't finish first in the division. Like that's kind of where yeah. I'm at worry wise. It's like, oh, well, that's what the stakes might be are difficult yeah. now. Yeah, it's it's still not like total danger mode. Uh, Ty, assistant coaches should be worried about their jobs. PK and power play are total trash. Watch the Rangers at other end. We aren't even close. I mean, this is something that, uh, again, we've talked about. It's not going to speculate on job security and all of that. But it is clear that, you know, special teams basically since the first day of the season, has just stayed the talking point. And whenever that kind of stays the talking point, no matter how well the team is playing, it's it's one of those things that you know that the team comes season to end, whatever that looks like, will be looking at how they can address and fix that. Yeah, and you naturally look at assistance because that's you know kind of who runs everything. Um, the, the PK with Jay Leach, I, I think Jay Leach as an assistant coach, he's one of the better assistant coaches in the NHL. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is how he kind of works with and develops defensemen. The fact that Will Borgen is such a useful player now, uh, that Kale Fleury has been largely ready to go when he's coming yep. to the lineup. Um, 
he's he's just this this defenseman guru, especially guys who maybe aren't getting a ton of ice time and are working with him. So I, I think he'd be really hard to, you know, as much as you want to improve the PK. And they've shown they're willing to make adjustments too, going from that wedge yes. plus one to a box. The power play is a much more pressing problem. And and Paul McFarland uh on that, you know, he was the one drawing up that that five on three play last night and we weren't quite sure what he was drawing up. I think, you know, more of the eye has to go on to what, what's being done on the power play and more importantly, what isn't being done on the power play. The different looks that they're just not trying to set up exactly uh, i'm right there with you on jay leach like we we've seen stuff from him and keep in mind i mean boston was interviewing him to be their head coach this past off season yep. like like he is an in-demand person lots of people have recognized what he has there and i will say to the pk's credit tonight uh you, you throw out the truba one because that's insanity that is not like normal yeah, yeah. uh you know what i mean so you throw that one out on the other one they weren't playing the box. Adam Larson is all a net, all alone net front. I don't know what Jamie Alexiak's doing personally in that situation. Like watching that, like there's a lot of Rangers behind Jamie Alexiak. I, you know, I, we've all been critical of Adam Larson sometimes being in that situation on the PK. So I'm not going to like totally just throw the book at, at Jamie Alexiak here, but it's one of those where like, yeah, what kind of, what do you expect to happen in that situation when that's what your positioning is? It's not, yeah. it's not going to be good. The end result's not going to be good. All right. Got a super chat here from Jules. How's it going, Jules? The hockey gods are mad at the Kraken. We didn't send a sacrifice to the all-star game. Is they that tried. What it is? is that what it, they asked somebody and somebody would rather have been on vacation, RJ? Yeah, it's someone karma. rather been on vacation proposing to his, you know, now fiance. Yes. How how dare he? Uh gotta gotta think about the team, you know what I mean? <laughs> these in these situations. Uh let's see. Why is it on every power play the Kraken can't get the puck in the zone and just shoot from the blue line instead of finding the crease down low, like the Rangers did to us over and over? I mean, we've addressed it at this point, but I'm yeah, yeah. I'm with, we're with you. Um, let's see. Nowhere to go but up, I hope, from Chris. Definitely. <laughs> I would agree with that. You know, some wins here. Uh, Andy, third super rough loss in a row during a time. These are must-win games with games in hand against division opponents being uh, who are playing this week. At this rate, we'll be lucky to make the playoffs. Like I said, I don't, I'm not there yet. I'm not in like, oh my gosh, the playoffs are in jeopardy. I think what what these games in hand and kind of, you know, quote unquote, wasting them does to you is it makes it that much harder to compete for first in the division, locking up, you know, home ice advantage, maybe that kind of stuff. Uh, but I'm, I'm still feeling fairly confident where they're at, you know, just overall playoff picture wise. Agreed. I, I think it's a real long shot for that would be for them to miss the playoffs at this point. You'd have to go on, you know, you're talking about, you know, eight, nine, 10 game losing streaks. That's what puts teams out of the real playoff conversation. And we're, we're just not there yet. You know, we're, it's three games. Mm -hmm. um, but but yeah, I mean, it, it's something they've got to turn around. And yeah, those games in hand are important for the seeding. Um, yes. But I, I do think playoffs are still it's not time to worry about that yet. Yeah. Uh, Chris, cheers to the Kraken fans at MSG here with me. We made a good effort. You guys did. Y'all did. Uh, I, I always love that the Root Broadcast finds all those Kraken fans, no matter what yes. visiting barn they're in. Absolutely love it. Um, let's see. Stratic, the PK is turning back into its old self. That's a major problem. Uh, yeah, we kind of talked about that. You want to talk about the odd man rushes right now, RJ? Should we get it? Sure, that? let's talk about the odd man rushes because that's okay. something I noticed like right away yeah. at the start yeah, of the Yeah, that's what a lot of people like were talking about. 
yeah, it felt like the Rangers always had extra extra guys on the rush going forward. I just that's something you need to stop right away. But Dylan, right. I know you're you know you're the big X's and O's guys. X's and O's guy. Explain to me. Explain to everyone why those odd man rushes were occurring just over and over and over again. Uh, based on what I was seeing, and this makes a lot of sense based on what we were all talking about last night, uh, the Kraken were just pushing offensively. The d- defensemen were pushing. They were trying to pinch up. They were just kind of selling out to try to generate offense or trying to be aggressive in you know attacking the Rangers transition games. Maybe a defenseman slides up in the neutral zone trying to make a go for a poke check, go for a steal, go for a big hit, try to turn the puck over and catch the Rangers, you know, get get an odd man rush situation of yourself for yourself going the other way against the Rangers. But the bottom line is we how how much did we talk about it last night? The the fact that the Kraken only had one goal after the all-star game, right? You don't think the Kraken felt that pressure too, feeling like, hey, let's try to pour on pressure against Shesterkin early. Let's really try to go for that. If that's your game plan going in to start this game, it's pretty easy to see why in that first period, you know, if you're kind of selling out for offense, you'd, you'd end up, you know, the Rangers were ready for it and then they took advantage of that going back the other way. But I really think it's just that kind of simple. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Um, I mean, you, you look at the crack and we're definitely trying to put something up offensively after that. And I mean, you see this in, in so many sports, right? Where, you know, you have a game where you, you didn't sack the quarterback at all. You just couldn't get to him and it, and it beat you. You go out there trying to blitz every play the first, you know, first drive. And, and sometimes you can get burned deep that way. And I think that basically is what happened to the Kraken. Yeah. And so I, I think it's one of those, like, I wish I had like a better, uh explanation for it but the bottom line was there was too many things to point out like it wasn't just like one like oh let's talk about it on that one play it was just it was every way in which you could try to push for offense and go for offense over defense the Kraken were kind of throwing all of that out there and, and it's those kind of split second decisions too. If you go and, and you watch these odd man rushes for the Rangers and you back the tape up and rewind it a little bit to the sequence right beforehand, you'll see that extra crack in, you know, either whether it's defenseman for, you know, creating a two on one or the center or, you know, the third yep. forward basically for a three on two, make the decision to join the rush, to join the play when they could hold back. And, and that's might, you know, uh, reduce your chances for offense, but you can see in those individual moments, like if you want to go back and look at it and just rewind the tape a little bit and be like, okay, what happened to that extra guy? Where did he make that decision to, right. to join offensively instead of holding back? Right. And I'm glad you brought up because I, I do feel like in a lot of those cases, it was, it wasn't so much like, oh, a defender tried to do this. It was, it was the center. It, these were a lot yeah. of like three on two situations uh, at, that the that the Rangers were able to take advantage of. And a lot of times it was for that reason. And it was because, hey, what's another thing we've talked about the Kraken needing to do offensively? They need guys net front, right? Somebody has to do that. And that's going to pull you if things go bad or you turn over the puck higher in the zone. Guess what? That's one person who's pretty far away from trying to help you. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's one of those. It's, it's all a give and take. It's all risk reward. Uh, you can't just play defensive. You can't just try to do that. I mean, I guess the Barry Trotz Islanders teams did, and it got them to two Eastern <laughs> Conference finals. But it's boring, and no one wants to watch it outside of RJ. But uh, the other op- the other option is that hey, look, you got to try to go for offense at times. Yeah, sorry, you, you, you are a fan of. So those I know teams. I'm. I'm not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> uh doofin thank you so much for the super chat here shout out for not giving up in the third period incidentally how full do you think the philly arena will be early on super bowl sunday 
I talk about scheduling, man. You and I have been talking about this. And obviously, like, oh, the NHL didn't know that the that you know Philadelphia was gonna make the Super Bowl nine months ago when they made this schedule. But why is the NHL as they're you know supposedly worried about these national game numbers dropping and on just all of the stuff that the NHL is worried about? It's even if you're not worried, it makes no sense to schedule games for Super Bowl Sunday. Like at all. I don't, it makes zero sense. Like we literally have States right now. I don't know if you saw Tennessee, RJ, they, they removed Columbus day. They're adding Super Bowl Monday as like a holiday for people to have off work in the state of Tennessee. Yeah. Like we literally have States making that decision because we all know what the Super Bowl is. It's the old, it's like the only universal thing left in America where everybody just kind of does the same thing, you know, or like 75 plus percent of the population. Why the NHL thought, Hey, you know what everybody's doing early on Super Bowl Sunday? They're wanting to watch hockey. They're not trying to, they're not driving to a friend's house to go watch the game later. They're not prepping to host people or anything. They want to watch hockey. It makes no sense why any other sports league would would try to plan anything on Super Bowl Sunday. No, I, you you just don't compete with four games. There are four NHL games. Is that like they one off game? Like, okay, we got to put a game here. This is like yeah. when we have a gap, whatever. Four games. They're not even trying to avoid it. Um, yeah, it, it just makes no sense. Yeah, it'll or probably I, be a pretty empty arena, I would imagine. Definitely. I, I was going to say, I think, yeah, as Jules is pointing out, The Last of Us is coming out today since they knew people would be watching the Super Bowl. Like, yes, like everybody knows this. It, it shouldn't be surprising. I mean, you had mentioned it the other day when when we were talking about it um, off air. Uh, you know, at, at the very least, if you're going to be scheduling these, like schedule Canadian teams, mm. <laughs> right? Like, I know, and, and three of somebody... the four games are all American teams. It's just the one Canadian game. Like it just, it makes no sense. I, I don't understand it at all. Um, but yeah, Duthin, it's, it's, it shouldn't be very busy in there. Um, unless everyone's just going to use the Flyers game to pregame for the Eagles later, which it's Philly. It's possible. Yeah. You might have some people doing that. <laughs> I, I, I've watched enough. It's always sunny to know that that might be the case. It's <laughs> <laughs> an accurate portrayal, right? Yep. Get your um, milk steaks ready. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Uh, Lindsay, Sunday is must win. No excuses. No second half of a back-to-back. An easier opponent than the Rangers. That game is a bellwether. Uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier, but I, you know, I, I think that that's probably the case. And and I think the Kraken are tr- going to treat it that way. Like I saw that look in Dave Haxtall's eye when the when the final buzzer went tonight, right? Like that was the look of like this can't happen again. And exactly. and so far this season, when we've seen that look from him. Crack and respond. Yes, every single time. I mean, they haven't let it get past three games, and I really think this will be no different. Yep. Uh, Ty, PK and power play have been trashed for two years. Lol, it's time to move on. The systems aren't there. Too easy to stuff and or exploit. DJ and Tay, I hate their start to a power play rush with the backwards pass to a guy at full speed to run into a wall and sending the puck back to our net, and now 20 seconds wasted just music to my ears rj <laughs> yep yeah definitely the, 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 a, lot, a lot of good comments kind of in that section of chat there from when we were talking about the power yeah. play um and, and just all the little elements of it that are not working yep joey and gary here also talking about it gary talking about the abysmal face-offs not helping the power play joey power play looks bad only game since break that we've looked good was against the devils if we lose to the flyers it's definitely panic time um our games at hand mean nothing now. We are in a free fall. I, I guess it's, this would be technically the start of a free fall, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that you've lost is that the games in hand don't mean anything. Otherwise, you technically haven't totally lost anything. Like, you're, I guess you've given up a couple points to Vegas, but you still have a game in hand on them. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's just, they got to figure it out. Jules, maybe we're in a losing streak uh, after all starts because no Kraken player was there. Bowie did his best, but we got hit with some bad luck. That's right. I mean, we had Bowie. Bowie should have been enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Troll should be able to, you know, undo any kind of curse or so. I don't know. He should have the energy think, there. You would think, or at least like, you know, know somebody who could help you yeah. out in that situation at the very least. Uh, Andy, do you all think these last three games and even some before the all-star break will change the Kraken's plan for trade deadline and or make them more aggressive? So this isn't the first time we've gotten this question tonight, RJ. Do you think that this skid that the, that the Kraken find themselves on is going to kind of change the tune. Like we, we were just talking at the beginning of this week before any of this happened yeah. about how like, oh, they make the Jacob Magna trade. That might just be it for the Kraken. But since then, uh, Burakovsky's gotten hurt. Kraken have struggled to score. Both special teams look like they're in really rough shape. Do you think now maybe Ron Francis is reevaluating maybe what his plans are or do you think he should be? I think he is, you know, he's reevaluating it in a way that, you know, anyone should given, you know, additional information coming in. Uh, I think he's always kind of evaluating what he should do. I don't think this skid is going to really affect the plan. I think Ron, Ron Francis is kind of long-term minded. He has his idea of what he wants to do with this deadline, whatever that is. I mean, we don't know exactly what it is. It may be, you know, the Magna trade and that's it. It may be, I'm looking for another forward, someone who can take face offs and shore up things. Uh, and, and he was looking for that anyway. I don't think this is going to affect it unless it's something that is a really prolonged stretch. If we get up at the five six games because we're still almost a month out from the trade deadline he still has time yeah. to think there's gonna be a lot more games before he you know is forced to pull the trigger or not on any potential move and i mean i've, I've mentioned this a few times already in this post game i think this losing streak is going to end at three and at that point you know you you never know where it goes from there so um i, I think he's, he's probably not you know changing his mind based on three games i was gonna say because so much of this is basically like do i I got to think the plan is completely built around, am I moving the draft capital that I have or not? And and the bottom line is, whether the team's going through a, a small skid like this or not, you're sticking to that because that's that's a multi-year decision you're making. You're not, you're not making that kind of hastily. You're not just kind of flying, going off the cuff and being like, oh, we lost three games. I better just all of a sudden be okay trading a first round pick. Like that's, that's just not how it works. Um, but I do think that, you know, yes, if, if the plan all along was, you know what, I feel like we're in an okay spot. We've drafted. Well, we have a decent amount of picks. I'm okay. Maybe trading a, a second rounder for somebody. And he was already kind of thinking like that. Then these games might've adjusted, you know, maybe the urgency for that, but certainly, you know, maybe you, you bring in like, you know, just an extra person to start working on like, okay, give me all the, the analytics on, these people yeah. like let's speed up this process a little bit <laughs> you know? yeah. um let's see bazzy schwartz has won 5v5 gold this season same amount as hayden and shane wright too many in the top six who don't help in the scoring department so interesting because you know so much of what we've talked about has been the special team struggle especially the power play struggle we've talked a lot about what jaden schwartz has brought this season only one five on five goal though that is a really interesting stat it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking this up here trying like, I, I almost don't believe it. I just, I, know. I think we both had that same reaction, not saying you're wrong, 
Bazzi. No, I just, you're wrong it's just, at all. That's, it's that's just kind of crazy. It's it's absolutely five what? of his ten goals are on the power play. So I guess the other four would have to be, you know, at, at some other. I don't think he has any shorthanded goals. Yeah, it, um, would, it would have to be like empty netters and you know other situations. Yeah, I'm trying to think back to his goals, but that is a, that is a crazy stat. Yeah, I mean, certainly, and as good as the oh, Kraken well, have been at five on five. Yeah, go ahead. yeah, I was gonna say he, it's it's an even split. Five are at even strength. Um, so unless those are all at four on four, your four of those five are at four v four. Then then yes, it would only be one five on five. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's as good as the Kraken have been at five on five too this season, I would have expected him to have more, but, uh, but really interesting there. Well, I think the more interesting thing, and maybe this speaks to some of it too, is if you sort this team, RJ by plus minus. Okay. Mm -hmm. Jaden Schwartz is dead last with a minus 10. All right. There's only three Kraken players in the minus at all. One of which is Jacob Magna. So you got to throw him <laughs> out of the equation, right? So it's it's an interesting situation where it's Andre Burakovsky and Jaden Schwartz, minus nine, minus 10, respectively. Um, meanwhile, everybody else with any sort of consistent playing time is at least a plus one, if not significantly more. You look at like, you know, Adam Larson leading the way, plus 31, let's go. Uh, I know plus <laughs> minus is not a perfect stat, but that would speak to, hey, maybe maybe the production here for these two guys is a little bit more special teams based than five on five. Right. That is what it would tell you. So I guess, yeah, it does track, uh, you know, with the plus minus stat. Yeah. There's definitely something going on there that um, maybe that's something we'll, we'll try to try to dig deeper into and we can maybe bring up on a deep dive at some point. Lindsay still no points for Maddie. The hockey gods are mad at him for calling in sick to the all-star game. All right. Well, that makes it sound like, Oh, he just didn't want to go. He was legitimately injured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he probably had a concussion. That's yeah. You, you got to call out sick for that one. Yeah. All right. Gary taking an opposite approach here. If anything, these losses make you avoid buying not a whole lot to sell either. My best guess is we hold. I still see our window as a 24 to 25 plus uh, season range. It, I mean, it isn't interesting. Like, like if you think well, you're, you are going to enter free fall, do you then just go like, Oh, I'm definitely not going to spend an asset on this year. Well, I agree with your thinking Gary, because I, I think your plan going into this season, you know, it has to be, you know, basically anything we get beyond a playoff appearance is gravy. And the only reason that you would make any kind of big ad beyond like a Magna type ad is if you feel like the the path in the Pacific is wide open and you're going for something beyond, you know, a playoff series win. You know I mean? If, if you feel like you can really capture lightning in a bottle here, you've got something special this season that you feel like is worth adding to and spending assets to do that, deviating from the plan to do that. I know that's definitely the way that Vegas felt about their team in their inaugural season. And they, they sold out to get Tomas Tatar to do it. It turned out to be a mistake in hindsight, or, or maybe not. If you, you look at a cup final appearance as you know, a good reward, but I'll I think you it. have to think you're, yeah, you have to think you're heading to something like that. If you really want to sell out and make a big ad. So I, I agree with your thinking, Gary, uh, these losses, and especially if it becomes kind of more prolonged losing streak, it, it makes you want to avoid buying at least any major way. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, and like I said, unless you've, I got to think Ron Francis has, has already made the decision before this point in time of, you know, weighing, are you okay giving up future assets for something this year? And if the answer was no, then the answer stays no. And if the answer was yes, then the answer stays yes. I just don't think that these last 
three games do anything to sway you uh, if you've already made that decision and kind of just thought about that. Uh, Tammy, I feel like Alexiak just makes too many mental errors. I'm not sure his positives outweigh his negatives. I like him, though, as a person. Um, it's It's been rough for him this season. Like, from from opening night, I was kind of pointing out issues where he's just made the wrong reads. There's a lot of situations where it's, it's literally, it's literally just comes down to, he just made the wrong read. And it's not like, you know, that, that means that he's a bad player or that he's you know bad at his job or anything. It's just one of those things of, okay, what is his process for making reads? Is it that he's, he's having a hard time picking up what the other teams are throwing at him. Is it that he's having a hard time with the chemistry with his D partner? So he's thinking they might be doing something that they don't. So therefore he changes kind of his perception of the situation, but it's, it's one of those where it's, that has been kind of my consistent, like what I would point to and say, that's what it is. It's just that his reading of situations has just been off. And it wasn't last year. Like this isn't like a, oh, this is just like a third pairing guy who's, you know, oh, he's just kind of always had this issue and that's why he hasn't, you know, excelled and, and moved up a, a lineup at any point. Like Jamie Alexiak is somebody that, you know, I, I got to think if you pulled NHL general managers, they would all want on their team. Uh, he's just struggled this season with this one particular issue. And it's kind of interesting because generally, if that's the case, you you would think if it's just kind of like a generic funk, he would have worked himself out of it by now. Right. You would think so. And, I, you know, it, it makes me wonder. I'm, I'm not trying to speculate here or anything, but you look at last season. He did have uh, like kind of a stretch where he was noticeably off from normal. Yes. And it's because he was dealing with some kind of weird lower body injury that turned into like illness or something the other yeah. way around. It was this mystery, but he was dealing with yeah. something. And, you know, it makes me wonder if maybe that's the case that it's something subtle he's dealing with. Again, I have I know nothing that would suggest that, but I'm just saying it, it makes you wonder because there's always stuff that, that players are dealing with that you never hear about. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I wonder if that might be something, too. I was going to say, we just talked about that possibility with with Burakovsky before, you know, he's really got hurt. Um, yeah, it, it could be an injury related thing. It could be a confidence related thing. Like that, that's totally mm -hmm. possible, especially because the 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 period of time in which you're talking about happened late last season. So if that kind of affected his confidence late last season, then yeah, that, that could be the situation this year. I would say that that's again though one where when you have a player kind of consistently struggling with that one thing, uh, and I don't know what the Kraken are doing behind the scenes, but that would be a signal to me as whether I'm Jay Leach and I'm kind of working with the defenseman or I'm Dave Haxtall as the head coach or whoever it is. I'm 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 wanting to work kind of more one on one with him to kind of get to whatever the root problem is about that to see if you can turn it around, because if you turn it around, he has so many positive attributes and so many good things he can bring to this team um, that I, I think, you know, you just get him kind of going in the right track. Unfortunately, for a defenseman making reads and having to make a split second decision, it's kind of got to be something you're making right more than more often than not. Otherwise, you just kind of you have really bad nights and you can cost your team goals, um, which has happened with him uh, so far this season. Another instance where I want to talk about reads just because we were talking about this, I want to talk about the very first goal against 
Um, and I know uh, if you were watching the root broadcast, Nick Olchek kind of broke it down between periods, but I felt like he left one thing out during his breakdown. And that's if, if, if everybody goes back to that goal, Tarasenko, of course, scoring in his first game with the Rangers because it has to be against us. Ugh. But if you go back and you look at that first goal at what's going on, you have both Vince Dunn and Adam Larson going back. It's a three on two kind of situation. And it's this weird one where it, when you just watch it at full speed for the very first time, it just looks like Panarin passes to Tarasenko, who's just splitting the defense and neither defender wants to touch Tarasenko. And he just gets an easy look, an easy, an easy goal uh, against Martin Jones there. And I do think that there was a little bit of a communication issue between Vince Dunn and Adam Larson, because bottom line is somebody has to stop this play from happening. It looks ridiculous that that play happened. However, I want to talk about what Adam Larson was doing there, because Nick Olchek talked about Adam Larson, and, and it, I do think that it's an interesting situation. When Adam Larson's watching it, he's watching what Vince Dunn is doing more than he's really even watching where the puck is and where everybody else is on the ice. He's watching Vince Dunn because he knows based on what Vince Dunn is going to do, it tells him which of the other two players he has to pick up. So Vince Dunn obviously pressuring Panarin because he's the puck carrier. He's not selling out on him though, which is signaling to Larson that, Hey, I can, I don't have to then maybe try to tie up Tarasenko because Vince Dunn is, is purposely keeping himself in the passing lane. Like he, he's trying to keep himself in the passing lane between Panarin and Tarasenko there. And if you watch Vince Dunn makes a move to actually go down to try to take away that pass. It was just a little late and he kind of read where the pass was going a little bit wrong. Um, but I think that's what what he was watching was Larson was saying, OK, if, if Vince Dunn's going to clog up the passing lane to him, then the passing lane that op that's open is the one back to Zabinijad. I need to take that passing lane. And that's why we see uh, Larson not tie up Tarasenko, actually take a step forward and let Tarasenko behind him. It was just that Dunn wasn't actually in the passing lane the way Larson, I think, thought he was. And that's how you get that goal that, you know, looks brutal. <laughs> it looked really yeah, it brutal. Did. And, and I did, I tweeted the video out because at first glance, I couldn't figure out what happened there. And, and yeah, Nick Olchek did a good job explaining it. Sean Ferris also on, on Twitter, he said, you know, he didn't realize that Donato was there because Donato would have taken away the Zabinijad one timer, yes. but Larson didn't see him. And I, and I don't blame him for not seeing him there. And so he kind of bought into the one time attempt. I need to stop this. And it just let Tarasenko slide right by him. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, all right. We got uh, some more thoughts about the uh, about Sunday coming up. Rebecca, my choir never cancels rehearsal on Super Bowl Sunday, and it's very stupid. At least transit is always deserted. That is true. If you do have to go anywhere on on Super Bowl Sunday, you're on your own. Uh, maybe you know, be careful if you're like driving at night after the game. Uh, that can kind of <laughs> have the New Year's Eve effect. Everybody be safe. All that good stuff. Um, Julius, I kind of disagree. I think the Philly Arena will be packed, being a perfect prelude to the Super. Bowl. Ball. So there we go. Maybe maybe I was onto something talking about it. it's always sunny, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Um let's see. Uh playoff teams uh are not in Oh yeah, Ibaka yeah, asking so about the chances of yeah. yeah, playoff teams cannot win the lottery, zero yeah. chance unless you have somebody else's draft pick. Yeah. Uh, Stratic, not so much a question, more a request, but could you tell other teams to stay away from Will Borgen? I read they are scouting him, and that's rude. Ooh, interesting. I hadn't heard yeah, that Did you yet. see that? I, I, apparently no. from Saravalli somewhere, but I don't I don't know where. I was kind of digging trying to find where exactly it was that he said it. But yeah, report there from, from Saravalli that other teams are scouting Will Borgen. I mean, and to that I say, like, 
you're welcome to look at him like you're welcome to scout him. I mean, go take a look at it. The Kraken aren't going to move him this season. It would make no. zero sense to to take a, a blue liner like Will Borgen off your roster if you're looking at a playoff spot, which the Kraken are. You know, if the Kraken were third to last in the league again, then then maybe they'd consider moving him. I've said this in the past. Will Borgen is the type of defenseman that teams gunning for the playoffs absolutely covet. Mm-hmm. I said it wouldn't – back last season when I was thinking maybe the Kraken wouldn't be as good this year. They might not be in a playoff spot. He could be a guy that they could move at the deadline, and you'd get a surprisingly high return. Like, you know, maybe yes. even low first round pick return just because he's the kind of guy that GMs love big physical. Mm-hmm. He can help you out for a playoff run. So it's not surprising to me that playoff teams would want him, but uh, the Kraken are a playoff team. They're going to be so uh, they, they're going to want him too. Right. And we, you know, we've talked about like Carson Soucy, uh maybe is the guy because he's going to be a, a UFA and you wonder about like, well, if you're re-upping Vince Dunn, which we all definitely want to have happen, um, how much money does that leave you? Can you re-up a, a Carson Soucy? Borgen's going to be an RFA and he's coming off a significantly cheaper deal. Uh, than than Carson Soucy, like you know, it's one of those things. Like everybody, essentially, at least at, at these ages, for them, they all appreciate contract to contract. The difference between re-signing Borgen versus re-signing Soucy, even though I would argue Borgen's actually been the better player this year, it, Borgen is still going to be a lot cheaper, and you're going to be able to pick up some years on Will Borgen um, that you might that you would really have to pay for in Carson Soucy's case. So um, I got to think that if you're the Kraken. You know, teams can look like you said, but if I got to think that not only would they be wanting him for a playoff push this year, you're looking at a couple years down the road as well, because he's only 26 years old and and you can yeah. re-up him. I, I know he's playing really well, but again, coming off of a $900,000 deal, probably not going to jump up to 4 million a year. Like that's no. just generally not what happens. So um, I, I think Will Borgen is going to be a, a member of the Kraken for a while yet. We'll just yes, say. agreed. All right, Dylan, this one's on you here. I know. Super chat from Leanne. I had to sit through the Rangers broadcast. Blah. Where's my girl, Afra? All right, Afra, it's your time. Where Come is on. she? Come on, hop up. All right, she's she's working her way over to hop up onto the bed. Here she comes. There we go. There she is. Oh, there she is. Yes. There we go. Afra, Afra. Let me get your treats out. There you go, Leanne. Thank you for the super chat, by the way. Really appreciate it. And sorry you had to sit through the Rangers broadcast. That's got to be rough. (laughs) I know. On on that game, I'm sure. Yeah. But at least you have Afra here. Yeah. Thank you so much for the super chat, Leanne. I I was hoping to see her too on the broadcast. So this is good. I was going to say, she's always here. And she, also, just for everybody, like behind the scenes, she's always here for, for red glare and deep dive. Like she just, where I go, she goes. And that's just the way we, that's just the way we roll, uh, whether it's here in the house or even out in public, going to, going to stores, all that kind of stuff. We're, we're just a yeah, pair. No, I, I remember, I remember when you got her, you were referring to me as, as the dog who will raise my children. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Because that was the only kind of reason I went with a puppy. Just again, more behind the scenes stuff. I went with a puppy with Afra. I'm not usually a fan of that. It's a lot of work. (laughs) No no lie. Uh, But I was like, you know what? I get a puppy here at the age of, I forget how old I was at the time. But it was like, ah, she'll she'll last me till I'm close to 40. So that's like the dog that, you know, starts off potentially having kids with and everything. So uh, thank you, Stratic. She is looking extra cute tonight. Yes. Yes. All right. So let's see here. Um, Edward asking, we haven't lost more than three games in a row this season, right? Let's hope the Kraken can have a super Sunday. Correct. It's that is still um, the the thing we will find out. 
Uh, I'm with Daniel too. I'd rather watch. I would rather watch hockey than um, pregame for the Super Bowl. That being said, I still don't think it's the in the best interest of the NHL to schedule games on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. And like, if if my team was in the Super Bowl, I'm sorry, I'm not thinking about hockey that day. Yeah. at all. <laughs> uh, I could confirm that from last year. <laughs> Yes, he was in the Super Bowl, and I was not thinking about hockey at all. Um, let's see. Uh, please talk about Rangers zone entries with numbers uh, from Daniel. I don't know if that came in before or after we talked about it. It, it was, yeah, it was. It came in after, but but I think you may have missed the uh, missed the discussion on that real quick. Yeah. In summary, Kraken after only scoring one goal the previous two games. They were just pushing for for offense this game, uh, whether it was a defenseman kind of stepping up and creating two on ones or uh, a center maybe stepping up and, and trying to do something in the neutral zone instead. And that creating three on two chances, which was more so what happened tonight. That's the bottom line is the Kraken had a game plan to look for offense and it just wasn't there. Unfortunately, they gambled and yeah. lost. It's what happens. Um and I, I do, I, I, again, I know we've talked about it already a little bit, RJ, but I want to say one more time, like I, the Kraken, in my opinion, they outplayed the Rangers in the third period and they outplayed them during sections of the second period. Like that can't be lost. Like th this is only a loss because of those early risk rewards turning into a whole lot of risk. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, it, it does. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm sorry. Fine. No, <laughs> fine no, 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 you're, yeah. you're you're good. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jules, semi cool hockey news. Dustin Brown now has a statue in front of crypto.com arena. Also, a forklift hit and damaged the Gretzky statue. So, that's really the reason to, to focus on this. I, Why couldn't it have hit the Dustin Brown statue instead? <laughs> Presumably, that was the one it was putting up. <laughs> yeah. I would assume. Um, that little trophy garden outside of the crypt is getting pretty, pretty crowded. I will tell you that I noticed that going to those games earlier this season. Um, but Dustin that is Brown. how did it damage the Gretzky statue? Like you can't just drop like, Oh, they damaged it. Like, is this like a, is it bad? Is it going to be okay? Like this is the great one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, make sure Let that's us know, okay. Jules. Let us know. That's the Brown statue. Uh, Ty, I wouldn't be sad about moving Susie or Rig if I'm honest. Also, may shop around Wenny to see if you can find a player that works with Berkey and Co. Berkey and Canner have the contracts. Uh, yeah, I think long term the Kraken are going to be interested. Well, lo long term you have that center that's going to replace Wenberg already. It's Shane Wright and or Ryan Winterton. Like you have yep. the center depth coming. Uh, it's just you know literally next year it's going to be there if you're the Kraken. So I don't know that you need to aggressively try to shop Wenberg this season. I, I think you can kind of um, basically keep him as insurance because he's only under contract through next year. Keep him as insurance in case Shane Wright isn't ready or there's an injury to somebody or, you know, whatever it is like, and then look, if it's too crowded next year and it looks like both Wright and Winterton need the ice time, then you then you trade him next year when he's a center on an expiring deal, and that is always valuable come trade deadline time. Yeah, exactly. Then he'll have some positive value. Right now, I, I just don't know if there's any team wanting to sign up for that contract for next season. But if it's a deadline type of thing, he'll have value. Yeah, uh, and then as as far as the defenseman, I mean, we've we've talked about it. I know you're looking at trying to go on a playoff push and everything. Um, so yeah, it becomes one of those. Do you treat Carson Susie as your own sort of rental that, that you don't have to give up an asset for, or do you play the long game and say, I don't want to lose this pretty valuable asset for nothing. 
And so we're going to yeah. know a lot about Ron Francis's headspace based on what he does between now and um, March 4th, because we're going to know whether or not he buys and what, what his opinion of the future is then, if he gives up a future asset for that, or if he gives up a Carson Susie while the team, you know, is still looking like they're in a playoff position and everything. Yeah. And as a GM, Ron Francis has never approached a trade deadline as a buyer. He's just never been in this spot before. So we're going to learn a lot about him. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Orion Natural Stat Trick has Schwartz with one five-on-five five and five even-strength goals, maybe a couple overtime goals. Well, I I don't I wouldn't say that they're somebody to get that wrong, so it must be oh, true. Yeah, yeah, I would think yeah. so. Like I said, overtime or four-on-four, four. just it's, it's all I could kind of think of um, <laughs> for for those other for those kind of four even-strength but non-five-on-five goals. It's a really interesting situation. <laughs> um, Let's see uh, the Hackstall stare. I know, right? I, I <laughs> wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of it. I kind of have been. He always stares at me at press conferences. I think because I'm never there. So then it's always hey, who like, are a, trying to figure who out are who are is you? this guy? Yeah, yeah. who are you? Uh, with th with this hair, you're coming into my press conference with that hair? Yeah. Come on. That's what I always imagine. <laughs> trying to anyway. show me up? <laughs> yes. Uh, didn't we lose one and one or two before the all-star break that puts our losing streak longer than three games? No, we beat Columbus as that last game before the all-star break. So yep. we had, a, we, we were, we actually were on a winning streak going into the all-star break. Uh, let's see who gets the first statue outside climate pledge. Rebecca asking, Ooh. that's a good question. That would be a good one for next like year. Our way too like, early, August. way too yeah. early. Yeah. Instead of Mount yeah. Rushmore doing, doing the statues, that would be really, really interesting. Yeah, I don't think actually. Well, there it is. Yeah, Rebecca, after Sue Bird, I was thinking it's probably Sue Bird. <laughs> that's 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 a good one, actually. Yes, um, that's that's probably who it would be. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, what is this? We have 10 guys with at least 10 goals with Tanovs tonight. Um, we have I don't know, uh, zero four on four goals this year. Okay, so it's obvious. So the Schwartz goals can't be four on four. Daniel letting us know. But yes, I mean, I was talking about it, trying to get to as many double digit goal scorers as possible. That is the sign of a deep team. That's always been like something hockey people have thrown around. So getting to double digits with your double digit guys, pretty good. Next person up, probably Tolvanen, who I believe is still sitting on eight goals with the Kraken so far <laughs> which, already <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying like it's ridiculous how, how fast he got there uh when I was looking last time about like oh how many people do we have at that mark it's like oh he's right there uh there's actually a, there's actually a couple so Tanev gets there uh Bjorkstrand also got there tonight uh Vince Dunn is at nine got to think he can probably grab another one and then yeah Tolvanen at eight through 18 games pretty good wow it's a good it's a good <laughs> clip it's a good clip uh Okay, so here's here's DJ and Tay giving us the breakdown. Schwartz's goal breakdown: one five on five, four power play, three empty net, and then two with an empty net. Interesting. Okay. That's six on five. I've hey, never that's, seen that's that somebody. go into the. I, I that is so weird. That goal <laughs> breakdown. Thank you very much I've, for I've posting never seen that. Something like but, that. Yeah, yeah, thank that you. That is, and thank you to everybody who's kind of gone on that journey with us with all the comments. Like that's. Um, you guys that's really that. awesome that, you, that you're bringing <laughs> that in this post game because that's a lot of stuff there. And that's really, really cool. Um, uh, Ayers, how's it going, Dylan, RJ, and Afra? Tough loss. Uh, should they go for a face-off specialist or defense before the trade deadline? If they're going for something, I would say at this point, it needs to be face-off specialist. Yeah, I think so. They've already you know got the depth of defense ad that I think yeah. we both insisted they needed. Uh, yeah, the face-off specialist would be the next logical step. 
Yep. Uh, as we go towards the end here, yeah, some more Super and stuff there for for that. Uh, and then Jules, from what I was told, the forklift damage was due to the Grammys. Then the stick and or leg are chipped. Uh, I'm working tomorrow and I'll check it out. Well, thank you for <laughs> for for doing that. Perfectly illustrates LA's reporting. priorities. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was gonna say I'm not surprised. Of course, that was it. Um, it just it bums out RJ because he can't. Well, now he can hear me. I was gonna say it bums out RJ because <laughs> now he can't blame Dustin Brown for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here yeah. we go. Uh, all right, everybody. I want to thank all of you for joining us for, for this game and, and all of you have joined us really for the last three, uh, several names because, you know, these are tough games. It's always tough after a loss. It's always tough after these East Coast games also to make the post game um, with the with the post game starting around 630. You know, not everybody's back home from work, maybe dealing with dinner, dealing with homework. If you've got kids, all that kind of stuff. I just really want to take a moment to thank everybody for for being here and being as active and as awesome as you guys always are. But uh, for those of you who have hung out with us or, or those who are still tuning in, listening to the replays later on the next day or whatever, I want to also give you guys a shout out for helping support us uh, in the ways that you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. I mean, you know, these, these losing streaks aren't fun, but man, I still absolutely look forward to these post-game lives every single time, regardless of where the Kraken are at. It's just something that, that absolutely makes my night. Um, so thank you everyone for, for joining us. I, I have a, a kind of an intriguing stat. If, if I can get this in before we finish. Sure. <laughs> okay. We were talking about the goalie situation. Like, well, as long as Grubauer is not like 0 17 or whatever. Oh right? no, you gotta, oh no. Grubauer I mean, versus the Flyers in his career. He's 2-5-1, and one, 857 save percentage, 4.19 goals against average. That's his second worst. Well, the goals oh. against average is his worst against any team. Save percentage is his second worst. So the splits don't help him. Martin Jones, on the other hand, 4-1, and one, 926 save percentage, 1.98 goals against average. And it's a revenge game for Martin Jones. Yep. Enjoy right. thinking about that, everybody. See hey, the Super Bowl I, Sunday. you know what? I might be the only person happy about that because it means you're the one leaving us off with the with the interesting. Uh, we'll call it interesting situation at the end. Uh, but yeah, th that might that might complicate things as for who we see on Sunday. So maybe we don't read too much into the Sunday decision of who's in net, depending on how it goes. Yep. It's either that or if he starts Grubauer with those numbers and with all that history, then it really is signaling he's bought into Grubauer at this point. We're, exactly. we're going to know either a confident. lot or not a, nothing at all. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes, isn't it? Gotta, gotta, gotta love it. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. One more shout out to Queen and Beer Hall. Again, these road games. If you're looking for something to do on Sunday before the Super Bowl, before everything gets all hectic, all that kind of stuff. You know, we we're talking about pregaming before the Super Bowl. Queen Anne Beer Hall might be a good place for that. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be. Trying to find a place that's got the hockey game on the morning of Super Bowl Sunday. They'll have it on. They'll have you it know, on. A lot of other sure. places. You'll have to worry about that, but not at Queen Anne Beer Hall. Exactly. So definitely want to want to give them that shout out there. All right. Thank you, everybody, for um, hanging with us. We will see you all after that game on Sunday. <laughs>